0: This week, we're joined by Larissa Muleda, founder of New York women's wear label Muleda. Her empowering contemporary pieces are sculpted out of neoprene, a fabric she takes pride in being comfortable, flexible, and more importantly, that her customers can wear and still eat a burger in. Born into Nigerian and Austrian lineage, Larissa moved around a lot as a child, from Germany to Paris and briefly Senegal, before finally settling down in Brooklyn, New York. The adventures shaped her resilient and go-of-the-flow attitude, which soon led her to the high school of fashion industries at the young age of 16. Her love for fashion design further inspired her to study business and fashion marketing and merchandising at the Fashion Institute of Technology. It was from here, along with her mother's strong entrepreneurial influence, she began to adapt to the challenges of owning a fashion business and maintaining its values. We led the label, and notably, Larissa's designs have come a long way since, dressing major celebrity clients, including Cardi B, Zendaya, and Ashley Tisdale, to name a few. In this episode, we talk about the hustle and grind of crafting and selling a fashion label. She also touches on her overwhelming love for her clients and how building a relationship and listening to your customers, as well as being truly authentic is essential for running a successful fashion business. You don't want to miss this exciting podcast that overall focuses on work hard and playing even harder. And as always, if you love this episode, please give us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean the absolute world. All you have to do is give it a tap and share it with somebody that would find this so valuable. Welcome to the Designer to Designer Podcast Show. This is a safe space created for aspiring and startup fashion designers and entrepreneurs. Through this podcast show, I sit down with some of your favorite independent designers and give you exclusive behind the scenes access to their lives and brands. I aim to make sure you get to know the designers for who they are and finally engage with relatable stories. We touch on everything from mindset to finances to their childhoods and their biggest, wildest fashion dreams. This podcast is hosted by yours truly, Rebecca Tembo, founder of a self-titled women's wear label and the entry platform which produces this show. Now sit tight, enjoy the ride and get ready to be blown away by today's episode. welcome to the podcast Larissa Mileda I'm so 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 excited to have you as mentioned before I saw your brand on Instagram and I just fell in love with your pieces and I wanted to firstly find out who you were who founded this brand and of course introduce you to my side of the pond (laughs) over here so yeah thank you for giving me your time today Yeah thanks it's my pleasure. So you moved around a lot as a child from Paris to Senegal before finally settling down in Brooklyn, New York. Talk to us about your childhood and your background.
1: So uh, my mom's Nigerian and my dad is Austrian and they just never stayed in one place. So (laughs) we did move around a lot and people often asked me if he was in the military but no they were just like big adventures. I can name a couple of countries we've lived in, but mostly I was born in Germany and then raised a few years in Senegal until we moved to Paris for about two years. And then I grew up with my mom in Brooklyn and my dad stayed in Vienna, Austria. And it's just, I think it's just adapted me to change. Like I'm not, I don't shy away from it. Um, moving is something that comes naturally to me. I just, you know, wherever I'm supposed to be, that's where I flow, that's where I go. So I think that's pretty much how it's affected me overall as an adult and as like my personality and who I am.
0: Perfect. And I know you mentioned to me before that your mom's got her business. She launched
1: a skincare brand called Tele Young Cosmetics and Skincare. And it's actually a miracle worker, like it fades away. Um, It's a a skin fading cream that fades away like an even skin tone because we know that we can, you know, be victims to bad cans and just dark spots and blemishes. And she's really like really honed in on her skills and that and it's doing phenomenally. So I'm super proud of her.
0: Great. Do you feel like she's taught you anything when it comes to like business and just seeing her like do her thing? For sure. I think it's through watching her grind
1: and her ups and downs and like her perseverance with her business as a teenager and as a child. Her work ethic really was ingrained in me because she never quit. I mean, she's been kicked down, like has had incredible lows, but persevered through them to achieve these incredible highs so um, that's definitely something that was ingrained in me without necessarily her telling me what to do but me how to be a strong entrepreneur so love her for that.
0: Definitely and it's also the Nigerian in us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you've yeah. been working in the fashion industry since you were 16 years old which is so young how did yeah. your journey begin?
1: So I went to the high school of fashion industry, and there I design. I designed, you know, dresses, and I started doing prom dresses and sweet sixteen dresses and special occasions. And I just, I, a lot of people, you know, they're they're surprised that you know, because it's it takes a lot to be an entrepreneur. I mean, it's a different mindset. But when I started, I, that wasn't my goal. I was it thinking, yeah, I want to make my own hours, but yeah, I want to work for myself. It was more so that I just really enjoyed what I was doing and I enjoyed creating and connecting with women and that just like flowed into what I do now. Whereas I can connect with even more women instead of doing custom pieces. I now create, you know, one of a kind, but we can mass produce them and reach more women. So it was. It started off as like a hobby, and turned into something that I was really good at, and that people, my immediate friends, supported me in doing. And yeah, now I do it for a living. So
0: <laughs> super lucky about that. And then you went on to study at FIT, right? What did you study there?
1: Yeah, I went to FIT for um business and fashion merchandising and marketing. And a lot of people find that surprising. Obviously, like in high school, we learned a lot. It's surprising to think about it, but I learned literally all my design skills in high school. And obviously I brushed up on it practice, you know, you get better as you go. But I knew that to be a full, you know, well-rounded individual, and if I wanted to be in business for myself, there there were a lot of pillars that I should know. And it's not just design, so I was very adamant about getting an education in other areas of business management and marketing, and I, you know, that really turned out to be the best way to go about it for me personally, because when you, when you want to be a designer, you think you're designing, you know, like 90% of the time, it's like all sketches and fabrics and it's beautiful, but literally it's probably 20% of your time designing and the rest of it is just curating your, your brand's identity, your marketing, your finance and just being a well-rounded individual and entrepreneur really helped me with my business.
0: Okay, I actually think that's so good that you study something besides design, especially because as your brand evolves anyways, you're going to outsource that work. So you might as well do the other work, which will take up the other 80 percent of your time, as you've mentioned. So that's actually a very smart decision. Do you feel like that education really helped you with what you're doing now? Like, do you see anything that was really valuable? There were many things that were valuable, like just
1: planning and understanding projections and understanding time management and, and delegating and fabrics. And there were so many different classes. I mean, even classes that aren't about fashion necessarily, like ethical classes that teach you about people and working you know, with people. Because all I've ever done is new letter, like I I started it in in college. So I've never worked at, you know, with within a company. Um, So my skills, my people skills, how to um, be, I guess, the boss, I I, I don't like that word, but how to be a boss um, came from just seeing how people work with each other in a classroom or in university. So I feel that I definitely gained a lot of different tools not just like in class but also just like working with different students and learning from them as well.
0: Perfect so when did you decide to create your own label and what did that process look like because I know you were making pieces you were doing prom dresses and things like that but then when did you actually say no this is going to be a brand and it's going to have a logo and I'm going to make these sorts of pieces I think paying attention to other brands
1: seeing where you where you want to be and understanding what kind of brand you want to have is important to begin with because you have to you have to figure out you know obviously like I said I never worked for someone so you have to figure out your roadmap. It's very, it's unclear. You're like in uncharted, you know, waters, but you just have to pinpoint your steps in order to get to where you want to be. I think that when I started, I saw like Alexander Wang and I saw, all, you know, like these, the Philip Lim and these brands and I, and I thought, hey, like I would love to be in Saks. I'd love to be in Bergdorf's. I'd love to um, be a brand that can be accessed all over the world and so i realized that i won't be able to do that if i'm designing you know these dresses you know that take literally like a week to make which are like you know like the prom dresses and the suit system dresses um, so i knew that i had to create dresses that were a little bit more um easy to access and easy to make and easy to produce i also realized that those dresses that were very intricate weren't necessarily for everyone, like I would do fashion shows all over New York City, like all the nightclubs, all the, you know, like different universities around um, the US, like in the States, and although people would love the dresses and be, you know, absolutely amazed by them, no one was purchasing them, because they were very specific to like, my style, and not, you know, even you can love it, but you won't see it necessarily on yourself. So I realized pretty quickly, like, early 20s that I should create something that's a little bit more mainstream like easier for people to adapt into their life and so I created items like little capsule collections and of like tops and dresses and I would go from boutique to boutique literally I'll just walk in like hi how are you Um, my name is Larissa, is your buyer here? Um, no? Okay, is your owner here? Can I be, you know, how can I get in touch with them? Sometimes they would be there and talk to me immediately. Other times they would pretend they're not the owner, <laughs> but I would come back and then find out they are. And just like show show them my pieces. And some stores would let me, you know, they would host some of my items on consignment, which is where they, um, you know, they, they stock it, but they don't pay you unless someone purchases it and then you get your permission from that. And then other boutiques would you know buy it right off but that took like at least three years for that to happen i met a good friend of mine who became my mentor his name is sam desner (laughs) and he owns the boutique 3ny in new york city and one day i walked into sam's store and this is so funny because this goes into the question of why i use neoprene. i walked into sam's store and I was showing him these silk like camisole tops, polka dots with bows on them. They were super cute for the time. And um, I'm showing it to him. He's like, no, no, no. In his accent that I'm doing a terrible job impersonating. But he was just like, no. And I was literally like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? Everyone hates everything. And then he looked at my dress and he said, but this, this is fabulous can you make this this I will buy this and then I was just like I looked at the dress and I assessed it and I looked up at him and I said yes like how many do you want and then I walked out with an order and literally like ran to the fabric district because that was not a dress I made that was a dress I bought at Zara however the dress had this like amazing shape it was actually a very solid fabric that didn't stretch at all and although it was really cute it was like every time I sat down I couldn't breathe it was so tight so even though I knew like okay this is what he wants this is what I have to do to get my foot into the door but I don't want to create something women can't wear and be comfortable in so that's when I found neoprene because it creates a shape that holds its shape but you can also stretch like you can eat a burger and feel good and feel like it's not going to show. you can breathe in it and honestly that was what like set me off. I created these dresses. they did incredibly well and then from there I was introduced to a woman who worked at a showroom which is who picked me up and then that's why we, I started getting into stores because they got me into stores off of that one design I mean you always have to pivot I think that's what I get from that story if something's not working don't be afraid to pivot
0: hi guys just future Rebecca popping in here to let you know that myself and Larissa actually had a conversation after the podcast and we thought that it would actually be very relevant for you guys to hear so I'm just going to insert that into the podcast now I hope you like it and then we'll go back to the episode
1: take me too long, then, yeah, but I just couldn't imagine not creating samples in-house because we change them so much as we're as we're going through the design process. and and also just knowing um, how to sew in construction helps you understand what you can and can't do with certain, mm-hmm. pieces. especially neoprene, it's like very finicky making uh, yeah. sure like she's not too hot or you know different things like that. So yeah, I definitely do everything in-house. like we have a full studio. Okay. Patterns, yeah. I mean, I have obviously assistance, but like, I'm the one like we're, we're we're creating it together. Yeah.
0: Oh, that is good. It must be so fun, like having a team, especially when it comes to the design side of things, just to like bounce ideas and really see it come to life
1: definitely i love getting input and they see things in a different way like i'm five six and um like what a size four maybe sometimes a six (laughs) but my i one of my my new interns she's maybe like five two and she's like an eight and we were creating this new dress and i wanted to make it like the flares so high on the sides and low at the bottom and then she said if i wore that i would feel like a pear like, I would not be able to wear that. And I'm just like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, like, you know what I mean? Like women who, are, and generally women are like five two, five mm-hmm. four. Not many women are five eight. That's not like average, you know? So yeah. like thinking about having a dress that I know a tall girl would, love, would be comfortable wearing, which is pretty much all my dresses right now. I realize that I don't have any dresses that are like cut short, a little bit less volume, mm-hmm. where a woman who's like a size 12 and she's five foot would would wouldn't feel like a basketball
0: (laughs) yeah no that's actually such a good point yeah yeah, women are different our bodies are different you can't just do one person well yeah
1: and I also couldn't imagine like it's so expensive so kudos to you well it is
0: costly costly as fuck like this is why I'm so happy because I'm doing the twirls but obviously with the twirl you don't have to finish it like make it all fancy just to make sure the fit is good on the model but the sample well, the patterns for four designs, it's going to cost me about 450 pounds, which is maybe about, I don't know, six, $700 maybe for just wow, the patterns.
1: That's like, yeah, it'll be like $250 each year, depending on what it is. It's like, yeah, dress it exactly.
0: A- it costs money. It's crazy. And then the sampling, well, I spoke to them and they're like 18 pounds an hour, like $25 an hour or something, which isn't too bad. I think that's good for sampling and they're not like super long to make. So I'm like, I can, I can deal with that, but at least I'm doing the 12 and not having yeah, to do yeah. the sample. So
1: i not give you like this flat rate price, for example,
0: some do, but like, for example, with the patterns, they have like a, a price list. So they actually charge you depending on how many pieces, like if it's a dress, then there's like five to seven pieces. This is the cost and whatnot. So with the yeah. patterns, I have a good idea of like how much that would cost, but with the, um, samples for some reason here they're always like well we won't really know until we make it And then we'll oh my God, they're it. too smart
1: <laughs> <laughs> they told me that I'd be like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: but this but- is the thing though when you can sew and like for, for them telling me 18 pounds an hour I'm like okay, this skirt should take you like an hour hour and a half at the most you can't exactly. tell me you spent five hours on that skirt because yeah. I sew so I, I would 100% know
1: Yeah, no, my factory told me, so like I take it, I I don't even wait for them to make me a sample because, which I I should, but I've actually been lucky enough not to, have to. So like after they make the pieces and they produce it, then they come back to me like, this was so much work, we can't really do it at this price. And I'm just like, you know, then we go back and forth about it. But I think like they just have, here they just have a set price and they'll say like it's 400 for a dress, 250 Mm -hmm. for a dress. I don't like that surprise, like it took me eight hours if you to Yeah. I guess it's just it's just like different. It
0: depends on who you go to, that's all. No, yeah, exactly. It depends. There's some people that are like, yes, it might cost around this, it might be too bar, so yeah So It really depends. But if they mess it up, then I'll go somewhere else. (laughs) I would recommend going to a graduate student to create your seamstress. Oh, okay, No, because they're really good. I actually tell a lot of people like I had a call this morning, like this one to one consultation things I do. And um, she was saying that she wants to hire a seamstress or she didn't know whether to go through the production route because she couldn't really afford to place a bulk order and the price that she was was too much and stuff. And I said, yeah, definitely go and see if there's a graduate that
1: yeah,
0: a job or something and just like pay them part-time hours or put, pay them per piece. That's yeah. even better that they they make Um, because what, 10 pounds an hour, you can do that here anyways. That's fine for them. It's a lot more affordable, but they're very what's talented. The, like they've been studying it for, huh?
1: What's your minimum wage over there?
0: It depends where you live, but in London for us, depends on your age as well but i think oh. it's around 10 pounds wow
1: okay well, yeah.
0: but it's bad because this is the most expensive place that this place is expensive i'm so lucky that my parents have a home here because mm. i have friends that moved in from outside of london and they're so used mm. to paying like 500 pounds for a beautiful one bedroom Two bedroom apartment and here you're gonna pay two grand, like two thousand pounds. <laughs> so <laughs> like,
1: and, wow, I know. I don't think
0: so, you can get
1: Yeah, you couldn't get anything, you get a closet. <laughs> you could like you could go live at a storage
0: facility for five hundred <laughs> <thousand. laughs> Yeah, I know New York's a bit pricey as well. I think London and New York is basically the same. I just feel like you guys are a bit more faster in like pace, but yeah. basically the same weather and pricing is insane.
1: There's so many people that you know you listen to these interviews and you don't really hear like the the like the nitty gritty yeah
0: the stuff that really matters yeah do you know what I feel like designers today we just feel like we need to go on social media and tweet something or post something on Instagram and that should be enough like that is it that's all the work we should do and what I love and I think generally in America you guys have this like very like hustle Brian, like you guys are on job basically <laughs> and I feel like it's such an amazing story because it's like no you actually went out there so if you had just created your brand and sat at home and was looking online waiting for people to purchase mm-hmm. none of this would have happened
1: well at the time I don't even think I was on Instagram yet so that was a very different time I think Instagram was out but I personally wasn't on it yet which is just crazy to think about, <laughs> but yeah, I think even now, it's people forget that you need that connection, and also people are very well boutiques. I will say now, you you can actually reach out to consumers because if you're really engaging and you you know post up your design process and you connect with your your audience, I think you can actually be do an incredible job. But I think that if you want to be in stores, you have to connect with those people in real life because there's so many, there's so much competition and people li- I will like you first and believe in you as a person and then believe in your brand.
0: So what do you think has been the biggest takeaway from being in stores, being able to connect with your consumer and also just the relationships that you've had with buyers and store boutique owners so
1: getting into stores like I said I wanted to be like these big brands that I loved but then I quickly realized that it's not profitable for a small brand I had to decide whether being in stores made me a brand or whether I made my brand what it is and I say that to say that there's this like insecurity or like chip on your shoulder kind of thing if you're not sold in stores you don't feel like a like a you know you just don't feel like the certified brand um and then I decided one day that I just need to create for the women that support me whereas when you're in stores obviously they they take off you know they get like more than 50% off they often want different discounts they don't buy large quantities they don't really understand your entire collection so they'll get like a few pieces here and they're not telling your full story and they just have a lot of input input in your design process which is fine like I think you can definitely you should definitely listen to your buyers but for me it just didn't it just came down to profits it wasn't profitable and I had to choose whether I thought being you know, cool and in a store was better than like being in business. So I pivoted from being in stores and focused direct, you know, solely to for direct to consumer, launched my e-commerce site. And now my, I'm just like focused on just my clients, like what they want. They're the ones telling me what to do, what not to do and what works for them and what makes them happy.
0: No, I think that's one thing that people sometimes don't realizes that when you do sell in a store you have what you call your wholesale price so you know mm-hmm. you have your retail price which is what you sell to the customer and then you have to obviously sell it at a lower price to a buyer um, and that's because they're going to mark it up to sell at your price. So they also need to make profit when people are just, dis- you know, planning their brand and deciding what they want to do. They need to consider, are you a direct consumer or will you do that? And, you know, do wholesale and stuff, because then you need to be making at least something. Because some brands actually just rely on wholesale and that's all they do. If you have a big order, it's great, you know, but if not, then you could just be making like literally a thousand pounds, but you've made, like how many hundreds of pieces so it's crazy and you get the big
1: orders through connections like who you know and then who's wearing your garment because you think that well my my perception of like like buyers I always thought that they wanted to find like the newest and the hottest thing but honestly their job is to sell clothing so they don't they want the newest and hottest thing but they want other people to want it first and then they will pick it up they're not going to pick you up and make you famous they will pick you up once you're famous so you have to work on your clout work on your brand and i mean everyone's chasing success but chase the right success be successful with the people who support you with the, the clients that you have and then eventually you'll you know you'll keep growing so that's what i chose to do
0: I love that. Who is the Mileda woman and why does she choose to wear your brand? Uh,
1: I love her. She's amazing.
0: She's just vivacious. She
1: has a spirit that she just always wants to just, you know, have the best time, um, feel good doing it and feel confident, comfortable. And I know we, we use the word unique a lot, but I think she just wants to feel like she's understood in her confidence and her daily strut and what and how and what she where she goes and what she wants to do. She's definitely really opinionated and just like strong in her identity and I create pieces that help you feel that way help you express exactly how you feel exactly just what you aspire to be as a woman.
0: That's so lovely. I love that. She sounds like an amazing woman. <laughs> she's you, she's me. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so having studied fashion and worked with private clients, what do you think you are unprepared for when creating your brand? I mean, there's so many like twisted, you're unprepared for everything. <laughs> like, You're not prepared for any
1: of it, Um, but <laughs> you just figure it out. If it's something you really want to do, you have to figure it out i think i would say sooner than later learn how to reach out to people um learn how to ask for advice and also i, I applied for fi FIT design entrepreneurial program and it really taught me a bunch of things that i didn't learn in college about like building a business so never stop learning i would say and never stop asking for help and always and surround yourself with people that have the same mentality as you or that are already doing the things you want to do and i think that will help you when you stumble
0: yeah and i'll definitely say 100% surround yourself with the right people even outside of fashion like it's so good to have different perspectives but it is mm-hmm. hard as we spoke about before when we spoke um the other day it's so 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 hard you need that emotional, mental, financial (laughs) support. So (laughs) I think the biggest thing you would, I feel
1: like a lot of us, especially when like creatives, we're not A-type, so we don't have like that, you know, we're not 100% structured and aligned. And I would say that I've found (laughs) the common similarity between us is just, we check on our finances last, because, well, one, it's like daunting, um, two, it's not like our specialty, but I think putting that in the forefront, um, understanding finances, understanding cost, factoring, not just like the price of the garment, but like your time and efforts that you put into the garment um, will, will lead to like a strong business. So if I said anything, I would say that learning about my finances sooner than later was very, would have been like really beneficial.
0: No, I completely understand that. So you mentioned before that it can be tricky in the design process because you have to consider the customer, the buyer, and sometimes private clientele, which is kind of what we Mm -hmm. touched on before as well. So what advice would you give to designers when it comes to curating their collections? Again, you have to like pick what you want
1: to be like your end goal. So if you're adamant about being a certain way, like as far as like put couture and that type of designer, you just have to, when figuring out where you want to sell, like if you do want to, if you know you definitely want to be in boutiques, you have to bend. You have to listen to what they want and try to find a middle ground because that's just, you know, unless you're you know you're already on Beyonce and you're on Rihanna and they'll take you as you are you really have to find a way to express yourself while also making sure that you know you're taking notes from exactly what they're looking for you think you walk in and you're like I'm so talented I'm great these are my pieces by them but honestly it's their job to make sure that they sell these pieces so they want to make and they know their clients more than you do so they will always give you feedback on them I have a friend of mine he's an amazing outerwear designer and he's actually very successful I won't name any names I don't know who else to be telling his story but Saks approached him and he's a he's an outerwear designer he's like super talented this is what he does it's outerwear and they asked him for like more separates but it's like if you want Like, why did you call me into this meeting for like the fourth time and ask me for separates? I make outerwear. You know, it's just sometimes you just have to like figure out maybe make some outerwear and get in the door, or tell them no, (laughs) and find someone else who understands your vision. Um, So it's just it's 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 just what you want to do. Like sometimes you have to bend in order to be in certain stores or certain places, and then other times you say, you know, f that. I'm just going to stick to my guns and stick to what I'm doing, and which is kind of what I did. And that's why like I'm direct to consumer because I had a vision and even though, because neoprene isn't something that everyone, you know, is familiar with and understands. And for buyers at that time, especially it's, it's a little um, scary to make sure that, you know, like their customers will be interested in this, what no matter how much they love the pieces. So, I just focused on what was working for me, which is my online store. And eventually like I've been I've been getting some messages from like different, you know, like um, online retailers, like Net a and Revolve. So we'll see. But as for now, I don't want anyone that's going to, that isn't going to appreciate what we do, because I do it for the new letter girl. I don't do it for all these outside voices
0: do you ever consider how commercial a product is before you you know release it and if so what does a commercial product mean to you?
1: I really only think about my client like who I have now and how she shops because sometimes I take my customer service calls and I like to like listen to like her you know complaints or her preach about how happy she was in something and I look at like the the messages we get and to see, you know, where they're wearing it to and what they what they found really comfortable. I love looking at the reviews we have on our site. So I think like when I design a collection, it's not the way people think. At least for me, people are always like, "What did you think about when you made this?" Or like, "What's your passion?" Like, where do you find your inspiration? I have like a very distinct style, and I just like to make things that my clients can rely on because they love it. And I like to make things that they know they can keep coming to me for, like designs that make them feel comfortable and different in. So I don't really think about, like, how can I make this more mass or how can I make this more, like, haute couture? I just think about what else can I make that she will love?
0: And I love that you're listening to your customers as well and really understanding what they love and what maybe they're, they're having an issue with but obviously you would resolve that how did you find a way to develop that thick skin and not be hurt when you heard negative feedback I'm Nigerian um
1: <laughs> you know what you what else you want me to tell you um <laughs> no like I don't know I guess I've, and I and I went to junior high in Brooklyn I don't know (laughs) so I feel like I've always been open to criticism that's the only way to grow I actually thrive in it I don't like people like people pleasers or anything like that I like 100% honesty bluntness and it's just it's only it's always there to make you better and I always say like my brand I love it yes I get to do it it's my dream it's my passion but it's not for me it's for my client. I do everything for them. So if they're not happy, I'm not happy. And it's just as simple as that.
0: Yeah, exactly. In Upscale Magazine, you said something that I love, which is I decided that dresses didn't have to be form-fitting in order to be sexy. So for you, what does empowering clothing mean?
1: Empowering clothing is just clothing that you can do yourself in. You know what I hate the most when you go out in something and the whole time you're thinking about it? Like, is my boob gonna fall out? It's like, is this skirt too short? Can I I can't even bend over? Oh my god, like if I drop my lip gloss, I'm leaving it. You know? So I think clothing where you can just you don't have to think about what you're wearing. You're just wearing it and you feel good and you can be yourself, you can be vivacious, you can have conversations and not like while someone's talking you you thinking about oh my god I don't know can they see my gut like so I feel like that's the that's what makes my clothing loved by my clients they get to just be themselves in it
0: yeah I remember there's a saying along the lines of you know comfort is the new luxury when it comes to fashion and it's so true because you're meant to enjoy clothing And yes they're going to be some stuff you know wedding dresses they're beautiful to look at but if they're very fitted it's it's not going to always be super comfortable but you want to feel free like just be yourself you don't have to overthink things you can just enjoy what you're doing and still look good at the same time so I agree with your definition.
1: And I feel like we definitely like I mean this top it's it's completely can't see it, but it's completely open and flared at the bottom. But I have these like really thin, like these straps, and the back is out completely. So I try to definitely highlight our favorite the favorite parts of our bodies, um, with like low backs to hide the back fat, quote unquote. I don't believe in back fat. Like we all have whatever, but some women rather not show all their back. But I I like to you know if you look at our pieces it's very exposing as far as like shoulders and your back and i think that's what makes it sexy and you still don't it doesn't have to be like body con. like you don't have to have like the biggest booty or the biggest you know bust in order to feel like like a woman like sexy and vivacious it's all in your energy it's all in the way you carry yourself and it exudes within within you so that's why i really strive on making like pieces that are
0: comfortable years ago you said something in a miss fish article which was i aggressively let people talk me into thinking i needed a white model to be taken seriously in the industry and when we spoke about this before i told you that someone told me that i should you know have my brand and don't make it look like it's Black-owned. It should look like a a white person owns it. And when they find out that it's you, they should be surprised. And, you know, being so young for both of us at the time, obviously we thought, okay, that's just how it's meant to be. I was like, oh, I don't even want people. Well, I say that my brand's obviously named after me. So is yours, actually, with your surname. But I didn't want people to think that it was like, a black brand you know and unfortunately it's because you know how society is they just put these negative connotations with a black designer which is completely unfair and I feel like for me personally I've just always wanted to be like shot from me because I'm a designer not because of anything else um just because you like my design so obviously we're older now and we are like that was some bullshit (laughs) like that was the worst advice and we're so lucky to be in a time where we're able to embrace ourselves embrace our culture and being a black woman is amazing for us as well but i guess it's just kind of like looking back and thinking wow this was actually said and for me it was said by a black person as well so it wasn't even like in the other way around so being young it is crazy to look back at what was fed to us what made you realize your power in just being you
1: again my client so the people who told me this are people who you know, they were trying, they were trying to help me. They thought they were being helpful. And maybe at the time in that world, they were, I mean, I don't know the conversations that are being had, you know, when my, my rap goes into these boutiques trying to sell my stuff. I, I don't, and you know, and there's a black model, maybe she will be able to sell it more if it's like this blonde model, which is why I was working with blonde models but that just goes into like the whole thing about like where do you want to be and what is it worth to you I found my strength in my client I'm not I don't shy away from the fact that I'm black that's who I am that's what makes me and makes my brand and I feel like those are the women that are supporting me so those are the women I'm going to highlight I'm not creating a brand and then trying to sell it i'm just like i create a brand and whoever supports that brand those are the women i'm selling to it's a black brand because i'm a black woman and i feel like i like to uplift other black women and i feel like we're finding strength in being you know in solidarity and showing each other that we can do it and, and supporting one another. So I think that comes into it. But even before you know 2020 and that whole shift, for me, it's just it's easier to be who you are. And that's and when I decided to just be me and like, un, you know, just say it as it is and not try to pretend to be something else to fit in with the society or like the fashion industry that's when I started becoming successful. Because people can see through all of that. And no one can connect with you if you're not being authentic. Eventually, you, you just own who you are. And people are attracted to authenticity, like with like at Cardi B. Like, people love it when you are yourself. So, and you find strength in that because you're not focused on how you should look or what you're supposed to be you just are
0: yeah and you can't even connect with yourself when you're not being authentic yet yeah, alone with other people recently i had a conversation with my pastor and i called him and i was like this is what i'm going through and blah 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 and he said to me like rebecca i feel like you're constantly thinking about other people and i've always felt like i'm someone that doesn't care about other people's opinions to a degree but from that conversation I had with him I realized that I did care and I shouldn't and I didn't know how much it was affecting me even to the point of Mm -hmm. when I was now designing this new collection I was thinking about all of these other brands that I'm seeing like Mm -hmm. should I create something like that because that's what's really you know going crazy right now or whatever and I just didn't find any joy whatsoever in that design process. And I love designing as well. So it was so interesting today. I was in my studio and I was just, you know, I already designed everything, but I was going over stuff, fabric, talking to the manufacturers. And I felt this amazing sense of peace and joy just because it was just me there was no outside influence at least anything strong enough to make me feel like I had to be somebody else or had to be a different sort of designer and it's just coming into terms with that and liking that you know like it's it's completely fine and that is what makes you different that is what will sell your pieces when you have that unique thing about you because there's so many brands out there and to add to that as well people should actually if you are feeling like that people should look into people pleasing and see if that's their issue because sometimes again like you might just be a people pleaser and you just want everyone to like you. So you're just creating stuff that everyone might like. But then maybe people won't even buy it because they're like, oh, I can just go and get it where I'm used to getting stuff, you know? So you have to be strong in not appealing to the masses. Yes, your brand might not sell like a thousand pieces every single day because you're selling at maybe a higher price point or something like that. And you have a very specific customer. But that's completely fine. It's about you now recognizing that, analyzing the data, targeting that customer more and building your niche so that you can run a sustainable fashion brand, you know?
1: It's like, I always said, like, I wouldn't make something that's already out. Like, what's the point? When you're creative, you're being creative because you want, you know, you have ideas. And if you're not releasing these ideas that are unique to yourself and they come from your imagination, you will never find fulfillment. So you have to figure out why you want to be a designer. Are you a designer because you want to be creative and you want to unleash, you know, something new into the world and that fulfills your spirit? Or are you in it because you want to make a bunch of money? Because if you want to do that, then, you know, Fashion Nova does that and, you know, there are a lot of brands that knock off other brands and that's what they're in it for. I mean, I said a lot about like owning your 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 aesthetic and being true to yourself, which is all true. but I also feel like when you are starting, you have to listen. Like you it's not if you're making clothing that you love, great. But if no one's buying it, that's also not great. So I will say, I didn't, I didn't really become successful. I used to do like 30 pieces of collection. Like, I've, I don't know how many collections I've done now. It's like am going to be like nine. I'm not going to go down that. But I probably didn't start picking up until like my sixth or seventh collection. And then within that collection, and if you went, if you went to school for fashion, you'll know this: that you create, maybe let's say you create 10 pieces. Only two of those are really like your bread and butter. And then like maybe two or or three other, those are the ones that like stylists love and like editors love, but you're really only selling these two out of these 10 pieces. So when you start seeing what's working for you, don't, you know, take offense to it. Like, oh my, like, but this is like my best piece. This is my design. This is what, this is my creative soul and spirit. Really hone into what people are. Um, coming to you for and find yourself in that and find yourself in that piece that like people really love because that's what they want from you and that's where it falls in line with why you're designing like you can just design to be creative but I design for my clients so you have to like mold with what's working because I know a lot of designers who've been doing it for years and they're just not taking off and they wonder why and it's because you're doing it because you want to be you know creative and expressive but this is a business sweetie (laughs) so you have to listen and adapt and um, pay attention to what people want from you because it's not you know it's not the other way around Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what I love is that when you go on your website and you have all your collections as well, I see so much consistency with your aesthetic, like the designs, see they're all great. But compared to what it is now, you can see like it's matured and and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. But there's like certain shapes and volume that you've kept throughout the years. And as a designer, it's not necessarily about the next collection needs to be like completely different, completely different theme and whatnot. It's just about tweaking things, refining things, you know. Also, you you might want to look at trends and maybe there's a fabric or something that you want to start using, but it's yeah. not changing your brand DNA.
1: Yeah, I think also as creatives, it's another chip on the shoulder type of thing. Like you want to prove yourself, right? you want to create something that, you know, yeah, that collection is great, but wait till you see this next collection. And people who aren't creative don't work like that. If they love a top, like they want that top in another color next season, can you make it longer, can you make it shorter? Like they are very simple. So again, just listening to your customer and you'll see if you go to my like the collections page on our website, you'll see like my very first collection, and then like all the other collections and the range, and and just how different everything was. And now I'm very like specific in what we release because I know what you, what my customers like and what they want.
0: Yeah. When we spoke before, you emphasized on how hard it is being a fashion designer. What has been your most challenging moment or day so far on the job? Oh my God. Like something that, that made be. you feel like I am done, like forget this, I don't <laughs> need this, I'm gonna get a job. <laughs>
1: lucky enough that when I started I was living home I was with my mom so I didn't have these like strenuous bills so I could like really just invest in my in my business but it's hard to find your footing unless you're like you know really well connected so I think what was hard was just trying to get people like figuring out what you can do that you know that expresses yourself but it's also going to actually sell and for me I haven't had one of those moments in like at least two years thank god but (laughs) so I don't and I always look to the future I don't look so I don't look back often but I will say okay when I a moment that I thought holy crap I can't do this was probably like when I first got like my orders and, and. you know, in this boutiques and my manufacturers, like, were messing up on pieces and it was going to cost me so much just for them to fix it and then I was going to be late on deliveries, I was just like, whoa, I bit off way too much than I could chew. And I think it's just like learning from your mistakes, learning from your problems and finding a way and honing in on the reason why you started that will keep you going. Yeah. And then also, like, let's say you create a collection and you send it out to, um, you know, all your stylists that, you know, or you're, you know, and then all their emails have changed. And you're like, wait, like, I just built this list. Like, why do they keep changing their emails or no one's interested in, like, pulling it? Yeah, it's super discouraging when, you know, you're really trying to get out there, no one's responding. So again, it's just perseverance and less outside voices, focusing on what is working, that's what gets you through. Focusing on like the people who are supporting you, the clients you have. And then, yeah, just continuously like paying attention, continuously honing in on your craft will get you through
0: what do you think today's designers can do to better prepare themselves for the roller coaster ride ahead because it's crazy
1: (laughs) it's an exciting time I think if I was starting today you have so much access you have you just reaching out like don't be shy you don't reach out to people above you you reach out to people around you and you grow together and everybody wants to To collaborate, people are extremely supportive. If you can find someone that's like minded and like you create, you know, dresses and then your friend photographs them and then, you know, you just put them out there. Never hold back, like, always start. Like, today's the perfect day to start and do it. I mean, don't overthink it. It's like, it's just life if you if you flop no one will remember next year like start over (laughs) like you know but yeah just put yourself out there and and when i when I say that I mean like Instagram Pinterest YouTube behind the scenes stuff go to events with where they're you know talking about you know how to be a designer or how to be an entrepreneur and just stay connected because I think that the times where I felt at my lowest point was when I felt like I was all alone and I had like I didn't have anyone that I could turn to for advice or like no one understood what I was going through. And to be truthful, like most people want to help, you know? So always reach out and we'll be all right.
0: <laughs> I love that. All someone has to do is type your name into Google and see the tons of articles out there. You have dressed Cardi B, Ashley Tisdell, Normani, and Zendaya, just to name a few. What has been the most rewarding part of being a designer and an entrepreneur to you?
1: I think my answer is always the same. I am blown away when one of my clients buys the same dress in like four colors i'm like i am successful i have nailed it i know what they want they love it the fit is right i'm picking the right colors you know what i mean that's like it brings me so much joy because personally i don't shop that way like i if i have the top i have the top i don't need it in pink blue white and green like <laughs> I just need one of it. So for me, for someone to really invest, you know, because it's not cheap by any means necessary, but that's because the quality is so great and it takes a lot of like product development to create it. But it's a $200 top. It's a $400 dress. And if you own three, four of those and like in different colorways, I know I'm doing something right. So that's what reminds me and reassures me that i'm i'm in it for the right reasons and that i definitely should keep going
0: yeah repeat customers i call them loyal lucys like they're the ones that you need to be hunting for and making sure like every single sell even if you only get like five cells and you launch or whatever or even one cell mm-hmm. like treat that person like a vip make sure that product mm-hmm. is amazing the service the delivery the packaging and they will come back and you nurture them because you don't need a million customers you just need a hundred or a thousand and they're always coming back every single time you drop something new or to get different colors <laughs> as you <laughs> said Exactly. larissa if you weren't doing fashion what would you be doing
1: when i was younger and i was growing up i didn't want to sing but i have bad stage right so i wouldn't be doing that maybe interior designing somewhere in the design field for sure it's funny i don't think about that <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's like i design clothing i make clothing for women that you know i love and that's all I do. So I haven't really thought about that. I think there's expanding on it. I mean, like, yeah, I think I'd love to do like home goods. Maybe like I have like a passion for like interiors. But for right now, I'm just focused on creating clothing that women love. Hopefully, I. I don't know that question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. It does. I always say that I would study volcanoes if I wasn't a designer because I loved yeah yeah I love geography so much like I got A's all the time and I just loved like just the I don't know it's just something I just got like you know sometimes you just find something really easy and when it came to geography it was just so easy and interesting to me and I feel like Besides, you know, the physical stuff like volcanoes and earthquakes, I really like the human side of it. So really learning about people and why governments do certain things and policies. And I feel like that's probably going to lead me a lot into sustainability so you know you touch on stuff like human trafficking and just all the stuff that goes on like even just how fabric is made and the whole manufacturing process that's all geography so I think that's probably why I loved it so much because I was always like there has to be a way to infuse geography into fashion for me because I just loved it but yeah I would study volcanoes (laughs) super random
1: yeah, super random, but very interesting. I mean, I think they're, like, fascinating. Just the entire, like, the world itself, like, all these things that we we, we don't even think about and how they just, like, work on their own are yeah. pretty intriguing.
0: It's um, a big world. <laughs> sure. Do you have any parting advice for our fellow designers? Um,
1: If you're afraid, it's a natural reaction. If you're nervous, if you're anxious, we all are nervous we all are anxious we all are afraid but we still do it it's just our bodies like reacting to change so find comfort in your anxiousness find comfort in it and just pull through it's worth trying whatever it is you want to do whether it's fashion music tv it's worth Going after it's worth pursuing because, yeah, life is short and it's yours, it's yours to live. So, always go for it sooner than later,
0: and you won't regret it. You will never regret trying. That's some amazing advice. Thank you so much. And where can our listeners find you? I
1: am in New York,
0: but (laughs) our story. (laughs)
1: <laughs> is it like literally find me yes you can find me at Soa House, but no i am online at newletter.com and my instagram my personal instagram is girl in the white glasses and obviously our brand instagram is new letter label so yeah dm me i respond email me if you'd like you can email fashion at newletter.com and they will forward it to me and i'm yeah i'm always happy to give people advice and just like be supportive but don't use me as google like you need like a really detailed specific question and you have to have started if you haven't started i don't respond you you started you're working at it and you need help then i respond
0: perfect that is amazing. I'm gonna put that in our um description section box, whatever you call it. I always speak as if I'm on YouTube and it's like yep. this is a podcast, it's not YouTube. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time, Larissa. It has been such a great interview with you and I've enjoyed speaking with you, honestly. Yeah,
1: you're the sweetest. It was it's been really nice talking to you too. And it's just always nice to talk to another black woman and African woman. So happy to be here happy you know to have your support and I fully support you as well
0: thank you so much for tuning into today's episode I hope you're inspired to take action on your dreams right away if you enjoyed it please leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts. this really helps us expand our show and reach more people just like you until next time keep striving and thriving